Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. I'm Cynthia Katera, joined with Janine Toro. <laughs> Naked and Inside Out is an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing incredible things with their lives and career. And we're here to share these stories with you to provide a source of inspiration for our listeners. So today's episode, we're talking to Brandon Quickie. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hi, Glad to you. have you on. Thanks for having me. So can you give us a little background um, about what you do and your involvement in the LGBT community? Okay. Well, I've been in New York uh, for about 10 years and most recently in the past uh three years, I've gotten involved a lot more heavily with activism. And that's ranged from doing some work with Occupy Wall Street to just doing general LGBT activism. And now mostly I work with uh, a group called ACT UP, which is the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, um, doing a lot of AIDS activism. Very cool. So how did you get involved with all these groups? Um, It was interesting. It was about three years ago, I was volunteering um, at a homeless shelter at the Bowery Mission in the city. And I was tutoring clients every week in English, like for one night a week, I would tutor clients. And they have a lot of like um, uh, immigrants, clients who are immigrants from other countries who've landed here recently and are trying to find their feet or, you know, something didn't work out and they wound up on the streets. so I was teaching. Uh, I was teaching one night a week. Uh, I had I had a student, and um, I was teaching him English and and helping the, helping him get better with English. And kind of at the same time, Occupy Wall Street started happening. And a friend of mine suggested he was like, "Oh, if you're interested in you know homelessness, homelessness and homeless issues and stuff, you should go down there because there's a lot of you know a lot of genuinely like homeless people down there, um, and especially a lot of LGBT people." So I went down to Occupy Wall Street. That was happening in Zuccotti Park, uh, lower Manhattan. And I started going to meetings, um, mostly with the LGBT caucus that was down there, just kind of organizing around general LGBT issues, making sure that people, like LGBT people who visited or who were living in that park back then, um, making sure that they had all the things that they needed, you know, to get by, whether it was like you know, just like food, um, stuff like food and survival, you know, shelter, things like that. But a lot of it was dealing with like safety issues um, in the park around that time, just because there were there were issues of, um, you know, there were some assaults, there was transphobia, there was homophobia, there was misogyny, there was, you know, anything that happens anywhere, especially on New York and in the streets was happening down there at that time. So I, I got kind of connected into that. And I met a bunch of people um, who were down there full time. And, you know, I just visited a a few times a week. But, um, you know, I felt like it was very important to kind of connect with them and make sure people who were down there protesting had everything they needed, um, you know, to survive, like condoms and things like that. Just kind of like simple stuff that you take for granted that, you know, if you're homeless or you're sleeping on the street, you know, you don't necessarily have immediate access to. So, yeah, I was very involved with with Occupy Wall Street uh, for a few months there and that kind of, you know, Occupy Wall Street wrapped up after a few months um, as everybody was kicked out of that park. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody suggested that, you know, I wanted to continue my activism, but I didn't really know where to go. So someone suggested, oh, you should go to ACT UP, you know, which is a group that's uh, an activist group that's been around for almost 30 years. And while it's not specifically 
LGBT directly, you know, mm -hmm. it's a lot of LGBT people have come through there because AIDS, HIV and AIDS has affected so many, um, so many LGBT people mm -hmm. uh, for the past few decades. So, so that's how I landed at, at ACT UP. And I just kind of saw a, a void or a need that needed to be filled. And um, I took some of the stuff that I learned from Occupy Wall Street and the way that Occupy Wall Street kind of used social media and like a, an online presence or whatever to garner to garner media attention and also to kind of connect people, you know, um, to connect members and people in the community. Um, I kind of saw that I could, you know, help bring that to ACT UP and kind of move the group into like the 21st century in a way that it really hadn't, you know, it was, since it was 30 years, almost 30 years old, it was a much, it's a much older group. Mm -hmm. um, there were, there are some younger members for sure. Um, but I knew that if it was going to succeed and like, and, and move forward, it needed to kind of tap into these resources, you know, these very like contemporary and, um, newer resources. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Would you say before you started with Occupy Wall Street and ACT UP, were you involved with a lot of groups and communities like this? Um, or, you know, like what kind of sparked it? Like mm -hmm. one day were you like man, I really would like to give back or I'm at a point in my life where I'd like to help out. That, yeah, it started in college. Um, I grew up in Tennessee and wound up going to college in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, which was at that time, it still is a very like liberal place um, in a very conservative you know, environment, a very conservative state. So when I was coming out, I don't know. I just, I, I went to some, we had a campus group, a campus LGBT group. And I, I wasn't that, uh, I don't know. I wasn't, it's not that I just wasn't that interested in, it was mainly a bunch of social events and things like that. And, and I don't know, I guess maybe I was, it was, I was still kind of young and figuring things out. And, um, I randomly got called, I signed up for something and somebody called me about being part of a, political action committee, a PAC or whatever, yeah. which I had no idea of. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, you know, who, you know, who, who went or what they were going to do, but I wound up, uh, I wound up attending cause I got called. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of, I kind of showed up and for about a year I was, um, I was part of this like kind of political advocacy activist group that was run out of the university, uh, run, run kind of an offshoot of the LGBT group. And um, we started working on this, um, pulling together this exhibit that we were going to present at the university. We, want, we were going to get a university space and like put on this very like, you know, progressive like LGBT exhibit at the University of North Carolina. Um, well, to, to make a long story short, we spent months and months on this exhibit. We had the OK for it. And then at the last minute, it was basically pulled. Um, the, the student union, we, I think it was the student union actually itself that kind of like the, blocked us from putting on the exhibit. And so it wound up that instead of us doing the exhibit, we did, we did a big protest. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why was it pulled then? Uh, I think there was a question about the content. I think we were pretty firm about saying that, that we should be allowed to have like kind of explicit content, whether it be like, you know words like fuck and shit and things like that all the way up to, you know, naked bare breasts and maybe even some nudity. Yeah. Um, and they had brought some initial questions about that. And we came back and said, Oh, well, you know, they said, Oh, well, if, if you could have like maybe a 24 hour 
you know, monitor or whatever, just like making sure no kids walked in or something like that. It didn't have to be 24 hours. The union was only open for like, you know, 10 hours a day, yeah. 12 hours a day. And um, so we actually lined up people who would, you know, mind the exhibit, you know, and watch and, and line people up to be there for 12 hours a day. This was only maybe, it was only going to be up for like maybe two or three weeks or something. And, and yeah, and, and, and I think, and after all of that, after all that work and all that effort, I think they just kind of, um, the, you know, the, the students, I think, weren't, the student union wasn't ready for it and were nervous about showing LGBT content, you know, whether it be under any circumstances, I think. So it was just, it was a big downer. This was about like 1996 or something. So, you know, still kind yeah. of, you know, we were still in the, we were still in the middle of our LGBT struggle. You know, it's, it, it wasn't like today. Do you think that it was the fact that it was focused around LGBT or was it the nudity and profanity around it? Yeah. Or, or both? It could I don't have know. been both. I mean, it, you know, that's a good argument. I don't know. The fact that if it had just been a, uh, if it had been a heterosexual exhibit with yeah. nudity, I don't remember if, if that, I mean, they had had a bunch of different kinds of art. I don't remember if there had been like hetero nudity or explicit art before i mean maybe maybe there hadn't been but um but it could have been yeah it could have been either aspect of it you know that but that it's just the whole kind of the way that it, the way that it happened and the way that it went down um i think it a lot of people in the group felt that it was very clear that there was like kind of a homophobic yeah edge absolutely. to it for sure and just the way and you know we kind of like satisfied we kept satisfying their their circumstances and it may at one point we may have even toned it down and we said okay well, we're only going to have like the only nudity we would have would be like women's breasts or something, you know, and it'll be like part of a like a collage or something, you know, like, yeah. it's not like it's going to be like a huge, like a huge uh, photo six by six foot, you know, photo but say, of nudity. But yeah, you know. say you go into any museum, you'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm sure nudity. across the street, probably yeah. at the Fine Art Museum. I mean, they were definitely showing like nudity and stuff like that. But at that time on at that time at university at the university. There were there was a little bit of censorship. I know in performance there were some dancers who wanted to do some nude works, and they were either shut down or um, I want to say they had had like they had to have the building locked or something. Like oh they had to God. have a security guard, and then once the performance started, the building had to be like locked down basically, and no one would be allowed in without you know a ticket or reservation. Oh, wow. So that's crazy. Yeah crazy times yeah <laughs> so the exhibit turned into a protest so the exhibit turned into a protest um and a very successful protest um we like marched through campus and went to the the site of where the exhibit should have been and um i think it was maybe about 50 to 100 people sat in kind of did like a little sit in there and we had like the news crew from raleigh north carolina there you know awesome. like getting coverage um and yeah it was like it was very powerful so that was probably the first time that i realized you know that that there are options you know like i ha you can have a strong voice and even if someone tries to silence you or censor you that you can stand up to it you know in a very powerful way so what kind of advice can you give to our listeners that um kind of want to jump into activism but doesn't they don't maybe necessarily know where to begin or you know like mm -hmm. they have a voice but maybe you know like they're only communicating it online and want to get involved mm -hmm. in more i mean online uh, is a is a great way to get started you know just like sharing stuff that kind of thought-provoking stuff that piques your interest you know and there's a lot of online groups i mean our group act up has a very active facebook group with 
thousands of members now um, from around the country and around the world, uh, which is just like fascinating. So, you know, like we're generating content that people can kind of like interact with and share. And, you know, if they're not in New York City, they can take it to their communities, wherever they are, and hopefully, you know, use the information the way they want. So, I mean, I think it can start as simply as like just you know, sharing stuff online. But beyond that, I mean, if you, if for people who are in major cities like New York City or LA or, you know, even Detroit, wherever, uh, I mean, there's protests happening like all the time now, especially, you know, around the bigger issues of the day, like Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a great place for LGBT people to get started. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, LGBT people of color and they're involved in those Black Lives Matter protests and um i go out on protests you know and and stuff those those issues and need our need our attention as much as anything else you know even if it even if i as a white man like i don't feel i'm not particularly i don't i'm not discriminated against because of my color or anything you know i i love to go out and show support for lgbt people of color and there's a protest every week for that in New York City and, and definitely around the country. So, I mean, even just if you see a protest, uh, if you hear about a protest, go to it. You know, you don't have to yeah. know anybody. Um, protests are very, like, welcoming places. You know, you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to speak. You don't necessarily even have to make a big stand. You can stay on the sidewalk or be in a rally or something like that. It's but like a strengthen in numbers. Yeah, like, exactly. You're yeah. showing support. I mean, and, you know, for those people, occasionally there are, there is civil disobedience happening at protests where people are, are laying down in the street or getting arrested or whatever. And, you know, those people need our support too, you know, especially if they're LGBT because LGBT people are facing, you know, much higher rates of police brutality. They're having the book thrown at them, you know, especially if they're transgender, um, mm-hmm. Things like that. Anybody who's more vulnerable is gonna is gonna is gonna feel the force of uh, you know police um, whatever uh, police force more than anybody. So I mean, even if you even if you're going just to support those people, um, whatever kind of protester they are, and just make sure that they're not mishandled by the police. That is very important. Taking pictures, taking video, things like that. A lot of that is is getting more commonplace, and I and I think it's important for for our community safety. Yeah. And this is, I mean, I think it's incredible because this is something you do as part of, you have a full-time job yeah, and yeah. all of the activism and all the involvement you do on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about kind of like, what are the takeaways that you get from, um, you know, like contributing all your time and effort and like love into all of these groups? Mm-hmm. Like why, why do you do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think starting with the activism that I was doing, I mean, the stuff I was doing at the homeless shelter a few years ago, you know, I, I, I just, I felt like I started volunteering there because I felt like something was missing for so long. I was just like, I wasn't very spiritual. I grew up like very religious mm-hmm. um, and I kind of uh, left that behind a number of years ago. And so having moved to New York City about 10 years ago, I just kind of had felt that there was something missing from my life, a spiritual component. And so that kind of led me just to do, to start volunteering, which was just, which was powerful in and of itself. And just being able to, you know, to dive into something I didn't really have any experience with. I've never tutored anybody before really. Yeah. Um, and just kind of become involved with like 
a stu- the, the two or three students that I had for a number of time and learning their stories and hearing about, you know, what brought them to America and the kind of um, the challenges they faced, the challenges they faced in the homeless shelter, you know, like I just, I got so invested in it. And I think that that helped my professional life too, you know, mm-hmm. like it kind of, it kind of, it gave me a lot to look forward to at the end of a work day. And it just like kind of gave me something to think about that I, in a way that I hadn't thought about it before. Um, and, the, and then transitioning into the activism, I think, you know, I've gotten so much more confident talking in front of people and talking about like important issues that uh, that's, that, that has definitely transformed or uh, informed my professional work too, you know, and I'm a much better speaker in front of people at work. Yeah. I'm not as nervous. I'm not, I'm not scared about, you know, putting my opinion forth or whatever, because because there have been protests where I've, you know, I've had to speak to like 200 people just kind of in the drop of a hat, you know? Oh so <laughs> when you've done, as soon as you've, if you've conquered that, if you've, if you've overcome that fear, then, you know, it's not too big of a deal to like, to bring something up at work, you know, bring up an issue or a problem or an opinion at work. Yeah. So. I think that's so great. You know, you kind of talk about the whole balancing of your life um, with your work and with all the activism. And I think it's, you know, like what you said, it's, a great source of inspiration because I feel like a lot of times it may be overwhelming to say, yeah, I really, I want to go and volunteer my time and like read or, but it's like, Oh, where do I get started? Or Mm -hmm. how do I do it? And to know that, you know, like everyone kind of starts out that way Mm -hmm. and to kind of grow and build those relationships and skills and to see you know, like where you started and where you are now. I think that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know, I had no idea this is where it was going to lead. You yeah. know, I just was like, oh, I'm going to go volunteer for yeah. a couple of hours every week at this, at the shelter, you know, and I didn't really know the kind of people that were staying there. And then, you know, once I got invested, it just kind of led me to more, more and more things. I mean, and it was difficult. I mean, even, even tutoring a couple hours a week, you know, it wasn't always easy. And, you know, and you do kind of take on some of the challenges that your clients or students are going through. But, um, but then once I moved outside of the shelter and started, you know, realizing that I, I, I wanted to make an impact for like, you know, outside, outside of that realm and just kind of, uh, you know, help anybody who was living in a shelter. I want, you know, I felt like I could, I could at least advocate for, for homeless people or the people staying there. And, um, and that was really powerful. So with that said, how do you essentially balance your time between these things or do any of these protests sort of get, you know, you have a typical schedule for work, I'm assuming, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you make sure you're like allotting your time effectively or like if you need, need, you need to be at a protest, but you need to be at work, you know what I mean? Or like, because trust me, there are times I feel like oh, you know, there's something really beneficial you could do for the podcast, but, you know, I have to go to work, yeah. you know, or, you know, yeah. um, so how, how, you know, how do you balance that? And then even like with your own like personal life and, you know, doing mm-hmm. things that you find fulfilling yeah. aside from the activism. It's definitely a challenge. You know, I have like certain things. There's a meeting, there's one meeting a week that I try to get to for sure. Like on Monday nights, the ACT UP meeting every Monday night at 7 p.m. at the LGBT center. Um <laughs> Yeah, I try. So I try to make time for that. And, um, you know, I try to I try to be open, somewhat open and like out about my activism, you know, like even at work and stuff like I, you know, I try to try to be open about if I'm going to a protest, if I'm going to a meeting, you know, because I want to I want to carry that energy and that 
and all that work that I'm doing, I don't want to like be in the closet about it, you know, yeah. like, cause it's like, what's the point of, what was the point of moving to New York or, you know, coming here and doing all this is I, if I was going to kind of like hold back or be, you know, keep some of it in the closet or be ashamed of it, you know? So yeah. I try to carry it with me as much as possible. And even sometimes, I mean, on my lunch break, I may go out, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a noon protest or whatever, that's <laughs> near my office or something. And I'm at work, I may pop out for it, you know, and just go, even if I'm just going for like 20 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it feels really good. It like totally, it, it, you know, it warms me and whatever, just to be there and support, support friends or support allies or, um, you know, issues that I, that I care about. Um, but it, but it is difficult, you know, like I do have to, you know, I do set boundaries sometimes and, and sometimes, sometimes, but I mean, you do that with work too, you know, and sometimes you cross your work boundaries and you stay at work a lot longer than you wanted to, or you yeah. work an extra day that you didn't think you were going to. So it doesn't bother me when I, if I'm doing that for activism, it doesn't bother me, you know, cause I'm like, well, I, I stayed a couple hours late at, at work the other day. So I'm like, I'll just, you know, do make posters for a couple more hours or I'll get up a little early to do something to prepare for a protest tomorrow or something like that. Like, that's the way I kind of, I kind of think about it, you know, like, but I mean, I could do it. I mean, the activist stuff, you could, I could do it all the time, you know, like I can, if there's something on, on the weekend in the morning, like I'll, I'll surprise myself. I'll say, okay, like, I'll just be here. I'll just go here for two hours, something like that. And then like, I'll meet somebody and they'll, you know, want to like go to another protest or, you know, something like that. Um, go to another event. And, um, you know, I don't know. I try to, I try to be flexible and like make time to kind of like see where it takes me, you know? Have you met a lot of friends to protest? I met a lot of friends. Yeah. Like I met so many amazing people that I would have never met if not for, if not for Occupy Wall Street, if not for ACT UP, like, I mean, there's definitely such a mixture and just like melting pot of people mm-hmm. involved, especially like in ACT UP, because um, the group's been around for like 28 years. So it's a lot of like, there's a lot of like intergenerational bonding, I think. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of older gay men who are HIV positive, you know, like that I would have never met just because I don't know a lot of older gay men. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, so just to like hear their stories and hear about their struggles you know, from starting back in the 80s or whatever. It's just, like, so empowering. And I feel, just to to hear their wisdom or whatever, I just feel, like, so precious. And, and in that sense, like, I'm so lucky and, like, thankful to have this kind of work in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, feel that wisdom and hopefully, like, impart it on to future generations, you know, and the younger people yeah. in our group and everything like that. Like, just to carry it on feels like such a treasure. Yeah, I mean, it's such an imperative part of history, you know, that the older generations had to go through to get us to, like, where we are today. And there's so much work still that needs to be done. So yeah. I think that it it is so great to have a group that is, um, like, multi-generational, to mm-hmm. have that and to see that evolution yeah. through the years Because you hear that, you hear a lot of, a lot of people complain about that, you know, especially in the gay, in the gay male community about, you know, like, there being kind of a separation between, like, younger gays and older gays and or middle-aged gays, whatever. So it's great to have, like, a place and, like, you know, a context or whatever for, you know, people in those groups, people of all different ages to kind of come together around, whether it's around a central issue or, you know, something like that. It's great. I love that. Can you kind of talk about, um, you know, like you said, originally you were born from Tennessee, you went to school in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and then 
Were there any other places in between, or then was it New York? No, then after North Carolina, um, actually, technically after North Carolina, I did spend like, I spent almost a year, a full year in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Moved there for about nine months. This was after I came back. um, After college, I'd come out and I came back to Tennessee, actually. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I came out to my family and everything. And it was was a little bit difficult coming out to the family and stuff because I grew yeah. up in a very uh, religious Catholic household. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I decided I wanted to, to leave home or whatever. And I thought, where's the like most interesting, strange <laughs> place that I've never <laughs> been to that uh, that I've heard a lot about? And I, somehow I stumbled across Provincetown, Massachusetts. Really? On Cape Cod. And just randomly, I got a job over the internet through the internet, working at like a music and DVD store. Oh, that's so cool. In Provincetown. <laughs> well, totally that, crazy. That sounds super gay friendly. Oh yeah. Yeah, friendly. yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a gay resort for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, it was like being dropped into the fire a little bit, honestly, because <laughs> I just like never been surrounded by so many gay people. Um, cause I remember going there as a kid. That's oh, yeah. the funny part. Um, yeah, I was probably about eight years old mm. and I remember my grandfather said, cause I was like, what? Like, I was so, like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And I'm like, why are all these, like, men holding hands? Like, I didn't understand. <laughs> you know, and the way my grandfather put it was not very, like, nicely the way he said it. But I was like, oh. Like, and it was like, to me, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, it, you know, it didn't faze me. But then, like, as I got older, I never realized that it was just, like, such a gay town and yeah. this and that, you know. And it seems like a lot of people, at least that I know, um, you know, somewhere like Fire Island and things. It's somewhere mm-hmm. where, where where you can go and feel like safe yeah. being gay. It, it's a nice it's a nice alternative to Fire Island actually because it's just like very funky. You know, like there's it's a big artist community, ton of artists there. Um, you know, and and a huge history of like LGBT people going there and whatever, and just being kind of and being a little bit of an odd place. I mean, Cape Cod's a little bit you know like yeah. it's got its own like odd history or whatever. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun place for sure. So you so you ended up there. So I ended up there yeah. for like nine months, yeah. uh, just like working, you know, a, yeah. a customer service job. And then um, I'd always wanted to go to film school. I knew I wanted to get into film and TV. Um, so I applied and got into a school in Miami, Florida. So I moved down to Miami um, and went to grad school there in, in film school for like uh, three years, and then worked in the film and TV industry in Miami for like three years before moving here. What was um what was it like going from Tennessee to to Massachusetts? Like what was because so you just you just came out, you came out to yeah. your family and then yeah. you move. So I mean it, 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 I can't even explain it. I, I had I had you're like a kid in the I had, yeah, <laughs> virtually a kid in the That's how I felt when I moved to New York. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, I had been to New York a couple of times. We we hadn't traveled a whole lot as uh when we were kids. I mean, we traveled a lot around the south, but um, but not a whole lot outside of the south. So I had been to New York, to New York City a couple of times, um, but I had never been like to Boston or like Cape Cod or anything like that. I didn't know anything about it. But um but I just kind of like fell in love with the with the town and the like, and the the people and the the food and yeah. the beach and like all that stuff was just like just kind of like oh totally eye opening. But but yeah, I mean I was like, I was like wow, people go out here like every night and go out to a bar. <laughs> like I was like wow, this is cool, like interesting, you know. So you know, I definitely I definitely took part in that for sure. But um, 
but yeah, it's not the only thing to do there. So it must have been refreshing, though. Ah, it was like it was so refreshing, and like you know, I met a lot of like really nice people, and like people again that I would have like never met who were just really supportive, you know, and like thought it was interesting that I was from Tennessee, and you know, like wanted to see me succeed or whatever. And, um, you know, they, they were, I had friends who were ready for me to like stay. They were like, well, you could stay for the winter, you know, and like <laughs> were helping me, you know, getting ready to help me out or whatever, you yeah. know, but, um, but ultimately I decided to leave. So, you know. Can you talk about any other risks maybe that you've taken in your journey? I mean, I feel like that's a risk in itself. You're moving yeah. to a brand new city. You really don't know anything about was there any other point in your life maybe you've taken a huge risk you're like oh man I don't know like um just kind of jumping into it Mm -hmm. well I mean I've definitely had some challenges I know one summer before I had some friends who graduated from college the year before I did so they they moved out to Los Angeles right after graduation and I went out with them for like the summer before my senior year of college um it was I, so I spent like a, a summer in LA before I graduated college, and it was that was eye opening too. I mean, my friends were kind of navigating, you know, getting jobs, and they we were all theater people. Like we, I graduated with a theater degree, so my friends were all trying to get agents and um, you know oh, get gosh. on TV shows yeah. and stuff like that. And so <laughs> it was definitely like a, a fun and exciting and like, but also kind of like difficult and stressful time for everybody too. And like, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to do some of that too. So I wound up doing extra, a lot of extra work on like TV shows and things like that. Yeah. And, um, just like, and kind of seeing the bad side, (laughs) (laughs) the film TV world and being like, do I really want to do this? This is, you know, some of this is awful. Like sitting around here, you know, whatever in this, in the background of this shot and just, you know, for very little money, you know, this is, this is not fun. This is not what I envisioned when I was in acting school, you know, (laughs) in North Carolina, but you know, like, um, but that was really, that was a fun summer too. You know, I did, I dipped my toe kind of in the film and TV world. And, you know, I did a lot of, I explored a little bit of LA's bar scene or whatever, which yeah. was again, completely eye opening and being like, <laughs> holy moly, like this is what, uh, this is an LGBT, you know, community, yeah. <laughs> you know, and kind of like, and seeing that aspect of it. Cause I, I, I visited LA maybe once, but, um, but, you know, I, I was from Tennessee and had come from North Carolina. So just wasn't used to just like seeing like waves and waves of gay people walking down the street like that was you know fascinating yeah so actually what you had um quoted on the alumni site where i found most of um your bio information you state that in college you were a drama major even though almost everyone in your life outside the drama department advised against it and didn't understand it Exploring theater and its possibilities opened me up to many new experiences and ideas that I needed to score beyond my conservative Christian past in Tennessee, dot, dot, dot. So I thought that was really interesting. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, Um, because I feel like we live in such a society today where, like, I don't know, you're supposed to do X career and do this and have a family and have whatever by this age and... And I think it's interesting that you come from a different background, but yet you're doing so many different things. But I think mm-hmm. that's why you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly when I was in high school, you know, my parents, probably like most parents were like, you know, thinking about, I should be thinking about my career and asking me what I wanted to do and stuff like that. And I mean, I'd always done drama in high school, drama and theater. And I was just like consumed with it. I was, you know, I would do something every semester. Um, I was in a play or like helping out. So 
I think it kind of that kind of was a big deal at that time, actually. Like it totally seemed natural to me to just keep on studying theater in college or whatever. But like, you know, my parents were, you know, they were like, well, you need like a fallback career yeah. at the very least if you're going to even do that. Like it sounds crazy. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, it totally seemed natural to me. So it didn't seem like that much of a risk. But I remember coming home from college, you know, talking to my friends or whatnot you know, and they would even be a little bit surprised. You know, my friends who are pursuing whatever business or science, something yeah. like that, you know, they, they'd be like, are you really still going to stick with that theater <laughs> thing? Like oh through God. to the end. And I was like, well, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm really into it. You know, like I enjoy it. And, um, you know, I, I've spent, I've invested so much time in it already. It's yeah. like, why, why wouldn't I? You yeah. I mean, you're passionate about it. Yeah. Like yeah. why not be happy doing yeah. You're You're investing your time and money. into something just, that you exactly. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, and even it's funny too, thinking about my professional career now and where I am, like, because I did a little bit, we had a TV studio in high school as well. And I did a little bit of stuff with that. And again, it was kind of like the drama thing where people were just like, why are you doing that? Like, there's just, there's no career in that. Like, you know, like, it's just like, it was like a silly, funny well, little hobby or whatever. It know? always fascinates me when other people are, are concerned about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, say you were doing something horrible and right. whatever. Yeah, fine. Right. Yeah. But you're doing something that you truly love. Like, yeah. what is it to them that... Yeah. They're holding against. You know, I, I think I think people just get socialized really early on, yeah. like by their parents and by schools and stuff like that. To you know that you need to have this lockdown. You know, like you need to know exactly where you're going. And I think part of being an artist, if I can call myself that at all, but yeah, like back then when I thought you know I was doing theater and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just become like an artist or a theater artist. You know, like I think you you can't plan exactly where mm -hmm. you're going to end up. You yeah. know, like you can't predict where you're going to end up, you know, geographically or personally or professionally or spiritually. And I think once I kind of made peace with that, mm -hmm. I think that was, that was what gave me the okay to just like, you know, go full force into doing the drama stuff or, you know, to go to film school and, and pursue that. Even when, you know, I didn't know anybody in New York and LA, I didn't know if it was going to work out and I was lucky enough that it did or whatever. But, you know, like it's funny thinking now I have, I have a career in television or whatever, but Back then in high school, when I, when I was doing, you know, wrapping cables in the TV studio, people were just like, that's going nowhere. Like, it's just a jokey hobby you did. You know, people totally, like, looked down on it. And I'm like, actually, video turned out to be a decent career because video is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it's actually a booming, uh, a booming industry. Well, I think it's a healthy perception to have, too. I feel like too many people focus on, I'm only doing this with my life and this is what I'm going to do, that they miss these other possibilities that could be coming at them from yeah. other angles, but they're, they're so focused, they don't see it, which, mm -hmm. I mean, it could work out great for you, mm -hmm. but it could also, it's like, well, maybe there is these other paths. Like, for example, um, you know, like I went to school for fashion design, but there's so many other jobs in the d fashion, even career, design, marketing, business, mm -hmm. anything that... Honestly, like when I went to school, I had no idea it even existed. Right. So it's interesting not to, you know, to keep that open eye. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, clo don't be in a closed box. It, that's very, important. very um, important. Is there any other advice, you know, that you could give to our listeners who are struggling with finding their career paths and, are, you know, maybe getting some outside pressure to focus on a certain career? Like what kept you 
um, motivated. Yeah, I like, guess. Ha- like, like what? Ma- I yeah. guess my thing too is like, what made you not care what other people think? <laughs> yeah, which, which, yeah. Which, which sounds so silly, no, but, but I feel <laughs> like at a young age, I mean, you know, hard. It a, is. Lot, a lot of it was probably being gay. You know, like I didn't necessarily, I didn't come out until until college. I didn't tell anybody until college. So I mean. Like, but I knew, I kind of knew in high school, you know, but so I kind of already felt like a little bit, a little bit of an outsider, a little bit apart from the world I grew up in. So, I mean, so, but once you start to make peace with the fact that you're gay or, you know, lesbian, transgender, whatever, like the world is your oyster, you know, like once you've overcome that, that like, you know, hurdle or whatever, like, I think it's important to live your whole, to think about living your whole life like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and the same thing with career. It's like, if something's calling to you, no matter what people are telling you, you know, if it's important enough, you're going to shove it off and just go ahead and go ahead with what you feel, you know, and what you're putting your time into and not listening to what other people say. I mean, there was the same thing with the, with, with being LGBT, you know, and like just, you know, there was just, I had no role models growing up Mm -hmm, in Tennessee. So, you know, it was just kind of like, making my own way like nobody in high school there was never any like teaching about like oh if you're gay or you know what to do if you're gay there was no sex education anything like that there was no there were very few even places to go if you're lgbt like you you know there were a couple of bars or something like that um but there was you know there was very little help and there was a lot of like bad you know negative um attitudes so you know once you kind of put yourself out there and you move past those I think it gets a lot easier to to do the same thing with your career or whatever you want to do professionally or how you want to spend your time, you know, just to make your own way. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, at least nowadays, it's great that there are so many outlets to find that community and to find other people who are similar to you. And maybe mm-hmm. if not even exactly the same, at least somebody that's going through something similar, yeah. whether it's, you know even just on the internet or some sort of like a group. Yeah. The internet's great for that. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think for me, um, I mean, we talk about this often, like, like I'm like kids today, it's incredible. Like, or maybe it just, you know, more accepted, even though I think there still, you know, needs to be worked on and, you know, less ignorance and things like that, but they do have, they have so many outlets, um, whether it's an app, whether Mm -hmm. it's a website, whether it's groups, and the younger and younger kids are so much more accepting and mm-hmm. like, like last night we went to go see Fun Home. Okay. And there was a girl there. I don't know if, of course, I'm paying attention to these other things. <laughs> this, this girl there was in high school mm. and it was incredible that like the whole play was like, you know, or I'm looking around the audience and it's all about like, you know, g- gay and people being gay yeah. and like the life and the struggle and this. And all these diverse, like, It was group, a very diverse crowd, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Ages exactly. And, and it's, like, it's so nice that, people. like, a Broadway show or all these different outlets are bringing people, like, more awareness of, like, yeah. this yeah. is normal. This isn't, like, a disease. This isn't crazy. Um, but one of the things that you touched on that maybe, like, think instantly is, like, when, when I originally was, like, I was, like, I feared to come out for so long. I didn't come out probably really, really out till maybe, like, a couple years ago. Um, to everyone, but, or even in my workplace, but I always thought it would hold me back mm-hmm. and not push me forward. Mm-hmm. But I feel like by being out, it's actually brought me more opportunities and m- has made me meet other people that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise wow. that have had a huge influence on me. And it, it really saddens <laughs> me. It's like I held back for so long, or maybe it was just my uncertainty because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be judged or oh my God, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yet it's brought me closer 
to so many people. I mean, this yeah. podcast, like the mm-hmm. people we're interviewing you, yeah. like, it's just, it's, it's really incredible. So I don't know that touched home for me when you said <laughs> that. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So wrapping, wrapping back around to um, your involvement and act up, is there any um, new projects you guys are working on right now? Yeah. So we've been, in the last couple of years, uh, Governor Cuomo pulled together this task force in an attempt, uh, in a, in, with the goal of trying to end the HIV epidemic by 2020. Um, and there, basically, he invited uh, dozens of members from around the state to meet over the course of, I believe it was like six months, um, and basically come up with a plan, a strategy for trying to end the HIV epidemic in New York State. Um, within the next few years. So a number of ACT UP members were involved with that, traveled around to meetings all over the state and met with a bunch of, um, you know, people who work in the community, in the AIDS community in New York State to, to do a bunch of strategizing. And they came up with a plan, uh, a blueprint, basically, we're, we're calling it the blueprint to end AIDS. And uh, Governor Cuomo uh, allotted most of the funding for it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a blueprint like that needs like, uh you know, tens of millions of dollars or whatever. Um, and he contributed a lot from the New York state budget for it, which is great. Uh, so now it's just a matter of trying to roll out different initiatives uh, tied to that plan. Uh, one of them is, is educating people about PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is like a, a pill you can take uh, every day that'll prevent HIV if you're not using condoms, you know, if you're having condomless sex for whatever reason, or if you have it, on occasion or, you know, have like a slip up or something occasionally. Um, if you're on prep is like a 99.9% chance that you will not get HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like rolling that out to those, to the at-risk communities has been very, is, a, is an important part of that blueprint. Also uh, getting people supportive housing um, because those who are people who are homeless, sleeping on the streets or whatever are much more at risk for contracting HIV. Um, so, you know, trying to get the, the governor, Mayor de Blasio also like, you know, contributing a lot more funding for, uh, for homeless beds and stuff like that, especially for LGBT people too, because what we're seeing is a lot of LGBT people are having, are, are feeling unsafe in a lot of the shelters. Uh Um, so trying to get, you know, more beds at places like Ali Fournay Center, which caters to LGBT youth, um, and they're going to be a lot safer there. So, you know, trying to lobby Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio for for those beds uh, that we really need, um, which would help, you know, help stem, help curb the HIV epidemic. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that, the relative prep, uh, more more housing for sure for people on the streets. And then that's, that's been a lot of, that's a big part of the blueprint to end the epidemic. We're also, yeah, we, the, the funny thing about working in ACT UP is that with so many activists involved, you know, over like 30 years, thousands of people have kind of come through the doors yeah. of the group. And um, so a, we kind of get pulled in interesting directions. I think we have a couple members who are like experts on medical marijuana. So, you know, a lot of people back in the day in the eighties, uh, used to uh, use marijuana to kind of like control the side effects from their HIV meds. Mm. So it turned out, I didn't know this until recently, but like turned out a lot of people in the group have used marijuana like medicinally, like have a history of that. So, you know, medical marijuana just became legal in New York state um, this year, actually. And there's going to be dispensaries opening up. Um, But there's a lot of questions of, of like, 
of access and how people are going to get it. And like, you know, they only gave out like 14 licenses or something. And, uh-huh. and the cost of it is going to be really high. Yeah. You know, there's going to be like hoops to jump through. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, we're working on things like that, just trying to get like, you know, medical, medical marijuana out to all the patients who need it and all the patients who want it, you know, affordably and things like mm-hmm. that. So issues, uh, yeah, issues like that. It's a busy year. It's a busy year. Also, like, uh, definitely another issue we've been invested in since the beginning is um, get, is uh, universal health care for everybody, too. Okay. So uh, in New York State, it's we're calling it single-payer health care, which would, which would give health care to everybody in the state, uh, basically free of, ch- free of charge, in that it would, it would, the money to fund it would come out of our tax money, tax dollars, basically, and property taxes. Mm-hmm. That would go a long way toward ending the HIV epidemic, because you would get people into care and have, and make sure everybody has, like, a primary care physician, yeah. you know, um, and is getting tested regularly for HIV, um, which would go a long way toward toward ending the epidemic because even now under Obamacare, we're just kind of like, there's still a lot, the most at-risk people um, are not getting the the care they need, you know? So, um, you know, pushing for single payer healthcare in New York state is also a lot of what we're working on. So, so are you guys looking for like volunteers or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have a, a Monday meeting. Uh, we have a weekly meeting every Monday night at 7 PM at the LGBT center in Manhattan on 13th street and everybody's welcome. Um, we have ev- almost every other week, we have like a great teaching um, where an expert comes in and kind of like gives like a 101 of where things at, maybe with something like prep or with homelessness, or we're having one actually tomorrow um, on uh, crystal meth, the crystal meth epidemic among a lot of gay men, um, which is also fueling the HIV epidemic, unfortunately. So yeah, you can come in and, and discuss things and learn a lot about whatever you want to. And um, yeah, we have a great social media presence. You can hit us up on social media. Our, uh, our Facebook group is Act Up NY, And we have a Twitter account that's the, that's the same, at, at Act Up NY. And we try, to, we try to tweet from protests and, you know, post stuff like out in the field. So, I mean, like if you, if you like photo video or whatever, and like you have a, a hankering to help out, we can always use people who are like taking pictures, taking videos of our That's protests. Cool. Um, that, that it really helps a lot. Yeah. Awesome. It's incredible. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so thank you. much. I feel like this episode was filled with so much information. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Sorry if I talk the whole time. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Now it's like people have something to actually like act on and like think about, which is great. Um, yeah. If any of our listeners want to reach you, is the best way through ACT UP or anywhere else? They can reach me through ACT UP. Um, they can also reach me um, via email. My email address is whitepuffycloud at gmail.com. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's spelled out one, one word, <laughs> whitepuffycloud at gmail.com. Awesome. And then we'll also um, link the, your, the ACT UP links as well as your personal stuff um, when Great. we do post. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, concerns at hello at nakedandinsideout.com. As always, you can reach us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of which you can find on naked and inside nakedandinsideout.com if you're liking what you're hearing feel free to go to iTunes and uh, give us a star rating it'd be super helpful for us Uh, thanks again everyone until next time thanks everyone bye bye